Well, hey, Rock Church, I'm glad you're here today. I hope you're having a great morning. I want to welcome those of you that I'm looking at here in Conway, but I also want to welcome everybody who's online or maybe watching on demand at a later time. Could those of you in Con Conway just do me a favor and welcome everybody who might be watching later on with us? So <clears throat> glad that you guys are, are with us. And, and I want to say, uh, if you are new with us, make sure that you get connected. All right, that, that, that I want you to connect with Jesus through worship and, and through a time in his word, but, but we also want you to connect with one another, that we really believe that when you connect with Jesus and connect with others, you're able to find what matters, all right? So, so we want to encourage you to do that. We want to encourage you to connect uh, that, that way. So stop by the new here tent, uh, stop by um, the connect wall, and we'll take care of you that way. All right, now, I, I got one little announcement to say. Abby already said it, and she did a phenomenal job, but I want to add, I, I just want to highlight it, that we are doing uh, a beach baptism on Sunday night, August 6th, and I'm excited about that. We haven't had a church-wide beach baptism uh, for over eight years. Uh, once we moved into a facility, we we're like, well, we can just do them here all the time. Uh, but we're like, man, we need to do this. And I'm also excited because our South Strand campus, they're the ones taking the lead on it. Like they're the ones putting it together. So what we're going to do is that night we're going to show up at Garden City Chapel. All of our campus is coming together. We're going to worship a little bit and then we're going to cross the street and go and, and just witness and uh, celebrate some baptisms. As of right now, there's over 25 people signed up to get baptized that night. So that's we're celebrating, isn't it? So that's very cool, and there's probably more now. That number was in the middle of last week uh, when I saw that number, all right? Now, one thing that excites me about that is it's not just 25 baptisms, although that would be enough to celebrate, but it's also people from our Conway campus, our Ainer campus, our Coastal campus, our South Strand campus, and our online campus, all five campuses, uh, someone from each campus has signed up to get baptized. So that's a really cool thing that we're going to be able to do together as a church. So I invite you, come worship with us. Um, if you haven't taken that step of baptism, well, it'd be a great opportunity to sign up and to do it on that night. All right now, let me ask a question. And this is, this is what I want you to raise your hand for, all right? A little, little crowd interaction. If this is true of you, then, then just let me know. Have you ever experienced something that changed your life? Yeah, yeah. So, so many of us in here have, right? Now what I want you to do is think about what it was. Like get in your mind what it was. All right? You don't have to say this out loud, but I'm going to guess that at least a couple of them, maybe somebody was like, giving birth changed my life, right? Like, like ladies, would you agree that that was life-changing? Like, like, as dudes, we can't speak into that, right? Now, as dudes, we can say, having kids changed my life, right? Like, like sure, that'll change your life. Getting married changed my life. Experiencing marriage changed your life. Um, experiencing love maybe changed your life. Experiencing heartache or, or the end of that love changed your life. Here's one. I don't know if anybody thought about this one. Experiencing a kidney stone, right? That'll change your life, won't it, right? Like, like that, that'll do it. 
my guess is some of you thought about God. That I experienced God and it changed my life. And my fear is that there might be one or two or ten of you here today that you'd say, well, no, not really. Like you might say, I experienced God, but it really hadn't changed my life yet. I would venture to say this, and I'm pretty confident in this. That if you think you experienced God, but it didn't change your life, then you didn't experience God. You might have experienced church. You might have experienced religion. You might have experienced a spiritual high or a spiritual moment. But I don't think you experienced God. Because when we experience God, it changes your life. Am I right on that? Some of you would agree with me on that, that when you experience God, something changes. And it's not just a one-time thing. I don't want you to think it's just on the day of my salvation. It might happen on that day as well. But I can say for myself, there's been multiple times I've experienced God and it changed my life. There's been multiple times in the midst of worship that I've experienced God and it's changed my life. That, that, that I can think about uh, a time that I was in my office and I was reading God's word, which is a form of worship. And as I was reading God's word, as that was happening, like, like just I saw him in a new way. And I got down on my face crying in the middle of my office because of what I was experiencing. I, I can think of another time that, that I did a homeless mission in Europe. And I'm not going to go into the stories because I've told those many a times. But, but for seven days, I lived on the streets of England. And at the end of the seven days, I was depleted. I was emotionally depleted. I was physically depleted. There was a, a part of me that I'd even say I was spiritually depleted. And I went to church. It was on the last night, I had an opportunity to go to Hillsong, London. And, and, and I know if you follow church much that Hillsong has come under some scrutiny lately. But I can at least say on that night that, that I started to worship and I got a view of God that was different. I heard the Lord differently. And, and I don't mean that I saw him physically or I heard anything even audibly. It was just a moment that I had with God. And what I experienced changed me. And I think part of what I was experiencing was the fact that I was so emotionally and physically drained that I realized God is all I have. But he filled up everything I needed. You get me on that? That when we worship, when we see God, when we experience God, it should change us. And, and, and that's my prayer today. My prayer is that maybe we'll experience God the way that Isaiah did. Isaiah is a guy that we're, we're studying. We started studying him uh, last week, and we'll study him for the next four weeks. And, and in his story, we see how he experienced God, and we're going to see it today. And, and, and there's five things I'm going to challenge you to remember, but it'll be easy. Is I want you to see what he saw, hear what he heard. Say what he said. Witness what God has done and then respond. Now, let me say that again. Because when it comes to his experience, 
I believe that we can have the same experience, which means I want us to see what he saw, hear what he heard, say what he said, see what God has done, and then respond accordingly. Well, what did he see? Well, for that, we just go to Scripture. Isaiah uh, chapter 6, it's verse 1. This is what it reads. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. All right, now this is Isaiah writing this. This is what he experienced. It would have been uh, a little over 3,000 years ago. And, And in his experience, he said this. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. All right, now, now let's, not, let's not just glaze over this. Let's not just speed through this. Like, I want to take some time here for a second. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. It would be real easy for us just to, to look at that and go, oh, well, what's the big deal there? Well, it's a, it's a huge deal for the Israelites. That for over 50 years, they've had a king. His name was Uzziah. He was in charge. He ruled the land. For many years, he was a good king. In his last few years, he had become kind of a bad king. He had led the Israelites away from God. But for them, they were used to having a king who sat on the throne. They knew that's our leader. That's who governs us. That's who we turn to. That's who's in control. That's who's going to help manage the chaos. And then all of a sudden, he dies. And when he dies, the Israelites are going, well, what are we going to do now? Like, we have no king. Who's going to be the next king? What's going to happen in the midst of of life right now? Like, like, who's our king? And Isaiah steps in, in the midst of the chaos. And he says, I saw the Lord. I saw Yahweh. Yahweh. And he was high and exalted. He was sitting on a throne. And his robe filled the temple. Like like here's what Isaiah is trying to say. Is he saying in the midst of chaos, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of the world gone wrong, we still have a king. He's still on the throne. And his robe fills the temple. Like, he's just not like kind of on the throne going, I don't know what to do. He is in charge, and his rule and his reign covers everything. And this is a big deal to them, but I believe it's a big deal to us. Because there's going to be something that happens in your life, and you're going to say, man, is God still in charge? There's going to be chaos around you, and you're going to be like, Man, I, I, need, I need a Lord who reigns and who rules. Now, there's going to be something that happens now. There's going to be something that maybe happens next year. There's going to be ha- something that happens in 2024. I mean, goodness gracious, it's an election year. That's probably all of us need to remember. God's still in charge and sitting on his throne. Amen? That's who we serve. We need to see that we serve a big God who rules and who reigns. Look at these other verses. It says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. First Chronicles says, Yours, Lord, is greatness and the power 
and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you, and you are the ruler over all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. That, that Isaiah saw it, the, the biblical writers said it, God is on his throne. He is big, he is great, he is mighty, he is sovereign, and he rules and he reigns. And when we experience God, that's the first thing we should see. But we should also hear what was said. And, and what was said? Well, to that we go back to the book of Isaiah. Said, attending him were mighty seraphim. That's a big word for angel. Okay, you could just say angel there if you wanted. Said, attending him were mighty angels, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, whose whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices, and the doorposts, and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. That, that, that notice what is going on here is that these angels, that, that they've got six wings. And with two of them, they're covering their faces. With two of them, they're covering their bodies and their feet. And then the other two, they're flying. And, and they're flying around the throne. And they're singing out, holy, holy, holy. Like these perfect angels who have never sinned, when they are looking at God, when they are in God's presence... They cover themselves because they recognize his holiness. What Isaiah saw was the greatness of God. What he heard was about God's holiness. And what does that even mean? See, I think that's a word that many of us struggle with because, well, let's just be honest. It's, it's not a word that is in our everyday vocabulary. Like you're probably not walking around your house going, oh, that's holy, Right? Like, you don't look at your dog and call him holy. You don't look at things and say holy. It's a, it's a word we don't use a lot. And, and so I think we get confused on what it means. Like, if I was to ask in general, probably many of us would say, well, it means pure or purity. And, and with that, I would say, you're not wrong, but we're not fully right. You know what I mean? Like, like if you thought... Holy means pure. I would say, yes, it does. Exactly, it does. But it means more than just pure. That, that what it really means is separate or set apart. That because God is holy, it means that he is pure and set apart. That he is different than us. 
And, and that can be hard to understand at times because we have to realize that there are some things about God that we're similar in, but then there's things that we are totally different in. And that's the way it is in life. There's things that are similar, yet a little different. Let me try to explain it this way. Coke and Pepsi, right? Like, like y'all know that I, like, like I kind of like Diet Coke, right? And I would sit here and say, Diet Coke is totally different than Diet Pepsi. And you'd say, no, they're both dark colas. And I would have to say, you're right. Or Krispy Kreme and Dunkin' Donuts. Like we'd go, those are different. But you could say, well, no, they're both donut shops that have coffee, right? And we'd have to say, yeah. And with God, there's some things that we have some similarities with. Like, like God is gracious and he allows us to be gracious towards others. That he passes on that characteristic. That, that God is love. And he passes on the ability to love to us so that we can love others. Uh, that, that God does what is right and he gives us the ability to do what is right. Those are things that are similar. But then there's some things with God that we are just different than. There are some things for, with God that, that are totally separate than us. That, that we would say that, that God is all-knowing. That he knows everything. And none of us in here know everything. Like, like that can't be passed on to us. That, that God is omnipresent, meaning he can be anywhere he wants to be and everywhere he wants to be all at the same time. But we can't. Like we can't be at two places at once. We might think we can. We might multitask, but we're really not there. That, that God is all powerful. We are not. Like there's some things that, that God is that we can't be. And one of those is holy. That God is holy. And we're not. We are different. We're set apart. We're, we're separate in that way. But it's not just that God is holy and we're not. God is holy, holy, holy. And we are not, not, not. Like we are that far apart on this. Do you, do you realize that there's only one quality of God that is repeated three times in scripture back to back and it's holy like it never in scripture says God is grace 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 or God is righteous 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 or God is love 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 it is only God is holy and when it says holy two different times in scripture once here in Isaiah once in the book of Revelation it says he is holy holy Holy, meaning the angels are trying to emphasize how holy God actually is. Yet how many times do we forget it? How many times do we forget how big God is and how holy he is and we just casually come in front of him? See, I, I think that's actually kind of a negative of the modern church, of the casual church. Meaning it's the negative that, that we naturally find ourselves in here at The Rock. Because we are a casual church. And I'm glad we're a casual church. As a casual church, it, it means come as you are. You want to wear a t-shirt and shorts and a ball cap and rips in your jeans. And we don't care, right? Like, like come as you are. I, I actually laughed last week 
I was at our South Strand campus, and our campus pastor there, his name is Josh Phillips, and, and he's preached for over 20 years, great dude, but he's primarily communicated in traditional Baptist churches. And, and I was there last Sunday, and I was watching him preach, and he was wearing shorts and a ball cap. And I just started chuckling because I started thinking, I, I, I'm almost positive this is probably the first time Josh has ever preached at a church he was employed by in shorts and a ball cap. And I went up to him after service and I was like, hey, is that your? He's like, I didn't even think about it. It is. All right. Which I don't care. Like, I'm glad that he felt comfortable to preach like that. Because here's reality. It doesn't matter what you wear. But what does matter is the condition of your heart in which you approach God. You see the difference there? Is I want us to be casual. We want to be a come as you are uh, like environment. But as we approach God, we need to recognize how big and how holy he is. It, it reminds me of a scene from the movie Lord of the Rings. Just curious. I know it's an older movie. Anybody here seen Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit? Okay, so a couple of y'all. The, the rest of you, I'm going to have to kind of explain the story to you a little bit, all right? That there was a guy, he wrote some books, he was a Christian guy. The books are incredible, have a lot of kind of Christian undertones in them, like some theology and stuff like that. Great books. And in the movies, what we find is a couple main characters. One of them is Bilbo Baggins, okay? Now, Bilbo Baggins, he's a hobbit, which means he's a short dude, which means I'm a fan of his, okay? Power to the little people. Um, but, but, I, nah, yeah. Anybody watch golf? I wasn't going to make a single golf reference this week, okay? Brian Harmon is leading the British Open, and I was like, he's so little! And then I realized he's the exact same height as me, okay? <laughs> like, exact same. But anyway, so Bilbo Baggins, like, he's a hobbit, and, and he went on this little adventure. And while he was on an adventure, he found a ring that, that it would actually make him invisible. And he kind of fell in love with this ring. And then one day he was getting ready to go on another adventure, adventure, and Gandalf, who is this mighty, powerful wizard, shows up at his house. And, and they're friends. Like, 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 he's like, oh, Gandalf. He's like, Bilbo, how you doing? And Bilbo's like, I'm getting ready to go on an adventure. And he's like, I know, that's awesome. Leave the ring. And Bilbo's like, I, 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 I can't leave the ring. I, I, I want to take the ring with me. The ring is like my precious, and, and he kind of gets really controlling, and, and Gandalf is like, no, Bilbo, you need to leave the ring. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, Bilbo kind of bellies up to Gandalf and is like, but you don't understand. And then in a beautiful piece of cinematography, uh, Gandalf just gets huge. And in, in a voice, he, he just bellows out, Bilbo Baggins! Bilbo gets about this tall. And in this, just in a moment, Bilbo recognizes how little he is compared to the greatness of Gandalf. And guys, that's where we are. But on a whole nother level, we are so little compared to the greatness of God. 
And when we see God for who he really is, and we hear of his holiness, there is only one thing that we should say. That we should be very careful of, of the words that we choose. The, the writer of Ecclesiastes, he says this way, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. So if it's saying, let my words be few, what is it that I should actually say? We should say what Isaiah says. Woe is me. Woe to me. I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That, that the only thing that, that Isaiah could really muster up was, whoa. And, and guys, I'm not going to lie, I, I did some digging into that word. When I was doing some research for this message, I, I saw the word woe. I'm like, I, I want to dig into this. I want to see other places in the Bible where this word is used. I want to see what this word really means. And it's going to blow your mind. I went back and looked at the Hebrew. And here's what the word woe means in every other reference in Scripture. Woe. That's it. That's it. We don't really need to look for any other hidden meanings. We don't need to look at what's the depth of the word. The depth of the word is, whoa, not wow, wow, what a cool experience. No, whoa. God is great. And God is holy. And I am not. Isaiah says, I am ruined. Make sure we understand this about Isaiah. He was a God-fearing, God-honoring, God-following prophet. I mean, this wasn't in his early years. This wasn't before he knew God. This was a man who, who feared God, honored God, and followed God. And when he saw God in his greatness and in his holiness, he fell on his face and said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. He said, I'm a sinner. I have unclean lips and I live amongst people with unclean lips. Like I am ruined. And so are we. Because we are not holy. We are sinful. And I know if reality is if the story ended right there, we'd be going, well, then what hope do I have? Well, like, is it is just the end of me? But the beauty is, it's not just about what he saw and what he heard and what he said. It's also about what God did. And, and for that, we look at the next verse. It reads this way. It says, then one of the angels flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, with it, he touched my mouth and said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. That your guilt is gone. That your sin 
It's forgiven. That word atone, it means to cover or to make payment for. That, that what God did in the moment is Isaiah is on his face. He's saying, woe to me. I'm done. I'm ruined. I'm wrecked. And God said, nope, I'm going to do something about it. And he brought an angel with a coal and he, and he put it on his lips. And he said, now your guilt is gone. Your sin is atoned. And again, that word atoned means covered or to made payment for, meaning it was erased. And guys, what Isaiah saw then was a foreshadow of what Christ has done for us. That we see the greatness of God. We see the holiness of God. We say we are sinners. And in the midst of that, what God did is he sent his son Christ to this earth who died on the cross. He made payment. He atoned for our sins and covered our sins. And because of that, we have forgiveness. Guilt, gone. Sins, vanished. We are made right. We become holy. Not because we have the gift of holiness, but because Jesus covers us with his holiness. And when that happens, there's only one adequate response. There's only one appropriate response. That when you experience God, when I experience God, when I see him, when I hear of his holiness, when I confess that I'm a sinner, when I see what he has done, there's only one appropriate response that I can give to God. And that's, what do you want? What, what would you like me to do? Whatever it is, I'm in. We, we see that in Isaiah. It reads like this. It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Like, like I remember for years I would read this verse and I pictured at that moment Isaiah kind of coming up from his knees and saying, here I am. Send me. Like, man, I'm ready to go. And when I was studying for this message, I kind of got this different vision of Isaiah. I didn't picture him with, you know, just his courage going, here I am, send me. You know what I pictured? A little schoolboy going, oh, here I am. Here I am. Just, just, just send me. I, like, I'm ready to go. Like, we got any school teachers in the room today? Anybody? Okay, a couple of y'all maybe. Like, especially elementary teachers. Like, you know, it's like, hey, I need a line leader. Oh, oh, it's me. Pick me. Pick me. Oh, I, I, I need you to take out the trash or wash the dry erase board or whatever. Oh, oh, I'm all in. I got picture Isaiah in this moment going, oh, I'm here. What do you want done, God? I'm all in. Because I've seen and I've heard. I've confessed. I've seen what you've done. I witnessed how you, what you did. I'm all in. And I don't think it would have mattered what God would have said. Hey, I need you to clean that trash. Okay, I'm, I'm your guy. I need you to clean that toilet. I'm in. I, I need you to go talk to that person. I'm, I'm your guy. I, I need you to stop doing that. No problem. Because I've experienced the Lord. And he opened my eyes. 
So I only have one appropriate response. And that's, what do you want me to do? And I think for everybody, it'll be just a, a little bit different. Like what, what, what God tells you to do, it, it'd probably be different. Because like I said, this isn't like a one-time experience with God. I, I know for me, it's been multiple. And with each time, I hear God say, go and do this. I remember when I was in a town called Ybor City. It's basically part of Tampa. And I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about the story because I've told it before. But, but I can't help but just mention one part of it today. What it was is I'd been walking up and down the street um, ministering to some, some teenagers and young adults and uh, some kids who were homeless. And, and as the night was ending, I was standing up at a crossroads and the, the road didn't have any car traffic. It was all foot traffic. And, and I just said in a moment, I just, just said a prayer. I said, God, I want to see you right now. And I want to see what you see. And I'll never be able to fully explain it. I don't have adequate words for it. There's nothing in my vocabulary that can really tell you what happened that night. But I can, I can just simply say he opened my eyes. It wasn't for very long. It was a split second. But just I said that prayer, God, I want to see you. And I want to see what you see. And it was, it was just like all of a sudden my eyes were opened. And like I said, it was a spiritual thing, but, but I saw God in a whole new light. And I saw people, especially these teenagers and these young adults in a whole new way. And I saw a God who said, they matter to me. And what I saw just broke me. And I just, I just started weeping. I, I, I don't mean like a little tear came to my eye. I mean like ugly cry right in the street. And I'm weeping. And my, my friends came up to me, Josh, you all right? I'm like, yeah, man, I, I'm good. And they're like, you don't look good. I'm like, I'm sorry. But I just wept. And it didn't stop after a minute or five minutes. We get in the car to leave, to leave and I'm, I'm still crying. The next day, I, I see a teenager, and I just start crying. A week later, I'm hanging out with some teens, and I just start crying. It was a while after that, I'm, I, I was at an Atlanta Braves game, and I'm walking along, and I see, see some people, and it breaks my heart, and I just start weeping, and my buddy looks at me, and he said, you'll never be the same again. And I haven't been. I stood at the back of the room last week. And I don't know if you were here, but if you were here, you might not know this, but we had a 12-year-old young girl leading us in worship. And as I stood in the back and I, and I watched this little 12-year-old girl leading me in worship, I just started weeping. Because what I saw that day was young adults and teenagers that matter to Jesus. So whether they're, they're lost and they need to find Christ, whether they're struggling and need, a, need a help, or, or whether they've started following God and saying, man, I'm going to live for Jesus, my heart just constantly breaks for young adults and teens. And I remember that night I said, God, whatever you want, I'm all in. And from that day still to today, 
It's changed me. Because I saw God in a new way. And I responded by saying, what do you want me to do? And I'll do it. And that's my prayer for you today. Uh, you, won't, you, you won't necessarily see God in the exact same way I did. I mean, I hope we all see his greatness. I hope we all see his holiness. But then what he communicates to you on the back end, that's probably something special for you. But whatever it is, our only appropriate response is, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Use me. Here I am. I'm all in. And I want to invite you to be, to do that today. And this is an invitation to all of us. Remember, Isaiah, he'd been following the Lord. And some of you in here are like me. You've been following the Lord for a lot of years. But God might give you a fresh experience today. Or maybe you're brand new. Just checking this Jesus guy out, checking church out. But maybe God will open your eyes and reveal himself to you today. And you'll say, I'm a sinner. I receive your grace. And I'm all in. What do you want me to do? So I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand with me. And we're going to go into this time. And we're going to, we're going to just pick up right where we left off. Because we were singing about the holiness of God. And we're just going to continue singing about the holiness and the greatness of God. We're going to enter back into that throne room. We're going to join in with the angels. And we're going to sing, worthy are you, Lamb. We're going to sing, holy, holy, holy. And you might want to do that while you take communion. You might want to go to a prayer corner. You might want to take a step of baptism. You might need to pray with somebody about receiving Christ as your Savior because you're like, I want to do it. I'm just not exactly for sure how to. Come to that connect corner right back there. I'll be standing right there. But let's go before God and let's experience Him. Let's sing hallelujah. And let's declare, worthy is the Lamb. Let's do that right now.
so good worshiping with you today. Listen, if you've made any decisions, don't forget to talk to somebody. We want to celebrate with you if any decisions have been made, next steps. You can always talk to somebody right out there um, on the white wall right there, the connect wall. Um, if you're new here, don't forget to stop by the new here tent. We'd love to give you a, a gift to just say thanks for being here. Guys, we love you. We're praying for you, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. The Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come.